All right, welcome back in. Third and final hour of the Buck Rising Show here on a Friday. Nick Kale and Brayden Gall from 440 Sports in for Buck today. 104.5 The Zone will take you up until 1 o'clock. Lucas Panzeca, Will Bowling, they've got you in just about one hour. We will get to Coach Mac, Dave McGinnis. He's going to join us in about 20 minutes as we'll talk all things Titans with him. Um, just quickly, before we get to some football conversation U.S. Open is going on, and I had shades and flashbacks of Tiger Woods changing up his Saturday polo due to being drenched with sweat due to the intense competition because after two hours of today's festivities, Braden Gall, folks, has changed shirts. (laughs) He has sweated profusely through a polo, and as now you can see on Zone TV, he's rocking, I think, a T-shirt. Mustang Lounge, baby, the Cumberland Gap. Are you damp right now? No. Are you moist? That's a personal question. I, just I don't have to answer you. that. You plead the fifth? I don't have to answer that. All right. I don't want to incriminate myself. All right. That's good work by you, though. Wardrobe changes are, are necessary at times. I mean, I, I mean, you know me. I, I'm, I'm always soaked. So, I mean, <laughs> I could justify changing right now in front of this camera, but... I don't, think you can justi- I don't think you can justify that. I had the common courtesy and decency to go into the, to, to the facilities. Yeah. To make the adjustment. I'd be like Jim in American Pie when he's in front of the uh, the little laptop uh, monitor and he starts doing the dance with the yeah. shirt off for uh, Nadia. That is a deep cut by you. <laughs> it's a deep, that, was a, that was a deep pull. It's 22 years ago, man. Wow. Time flies. Twenty American Pie came out 22 years ago? I think so. I think American Pie came out in, uh, in 90, 99. Good God. That was like our, hi, a, our high school days. There's a lot of movies you put on if you see it and you're scrolling through and you're flipping through the channels and you find something and... All of a sudden, you stop on something. You're like, man, this is so good. Mm-hmm. And then you realize it's, yeah, like 23 years old. And you go, oh, my God, I'm old. Yeah. Holy smokes, I'm getting old. Time flies. It's not good. All right, 615-737-1045, the number. So we talked a little bit of Titans uh, early in the beginning of the show. Well, actually, it was probably around 1030. So about 30 minutes into the show, because it was the first time you and I have done a show together since the Julio Jones news became official, we were on a couple of days before Memorial Day, and you know we were waiting for Julio Jones, and we were the Titans were linked to him. Uh, and you made a really interesting point, and you said something to the effect of just because we get Julio Jones doesn't mean we're just going to dominate the Colts and you know just run away from them in the AFC South. And I think the odds makers have pretty much said that that look, you know, Julio might change your bottom line a little bit. And it's certainly going to be fun. And he's definitely a nice guy to bring in, in in wake of losing Corey Davis. Probably even an upgrade if he's healthy. But it really doesn't guarantee a whole heck of a lot. No, I think, I mean, obviously your offense is better with Julio Jones sure. than without Julio Jones. I mean, let's, be, let's use some, some common sense here. But it, this is a wide receiver we're talking about. And that's not meant to be disrespectful to Julio Jones because he's a fantastic player. He's one of the best at his position over, of, our, of our generation. Mm-hmm. And frankly, he was coming out of high school. Like none of this should be a surprise. Like he was, he and AJ Green, I believe, were the two five-star recruits that were basically number one in the nation right. coming out of high school. They were great at Georgia and Alabama. They've been great in the NFL. So he's a great player. I don't know if if like does it does it allow you to score a few more points in a playoff shootout with Kansas City or Baltimore because the offense was the problem against Baltimore, not the defense. You know, maybe that's a a, a factor here, right? But to me, and again, I don't know. To me, all of the upside of this Titans team in 2021 is tied far more to the big sweeping changes that John Robinson made to the defense and to, frankly, the coaching staff. Because what he did in the offseason was say to everybody, Mm -hmm. 
none of this has anything to do with the, the coaches. The coaches are fine. The coaches are great. We're, we're going to change all the players on defense, but Shane Bowen's still the guy. And so to me, it was more about, like, we believe the coaching staff is the, is the right coaching staff, and we're going to make all these changes on defense. And if those decisions are correct, then I think you've got more upside. You beat the Colts, you win the division, you can compete for an AFC championship and maybe get to the Super Bowl. Julio helps you along in that process. But I don't know. Like, I mean, you're, you're a gambling guy. The Vegas odds, they went from, what, 33-1 to 1 to 28-1 to 1 with Julio? It's almost like, like that. They, they improved big picture-wise, but within the division, which everybody right. talks about, that's the first thing you got to check off. It really didn't change much. But, but isn't, like... Even five, I don't know what the percentage, you, you right. tell me what, you know, one one out of 33 versus one out of 28 is about the same. So mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, you tell me what the percentage difference is as far as gambling goes. Like, that's actually, to me, a huge nod to Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. To say that one wide receiver can make you X percentage points more likely to win a Super Bowl is, is incredible to me. I, I don't think it has anything to do with Julio Jones. Right. It's, it's about Bud Dupree. It's about Danico Autry. It's about Caleb Farley. It's about Amani Hooker. It's about Rashawn Evans. It's about... Janoris Jenkins, it's about Elijah Molden, Monty Rice. Like it, to me, it's about all the defensive pieces, not the offense. When you, you know, and this is going to be a cop out, but it's I think it's true. You, you take Julio, you take Josh Reynolds, you take the rookie tackle, you take all the guys you alluded to on defense, whether they're corners drafted, corners in free agency, pass rushers, defensive linemen from a rival. You look at the totality of it, and it's like this team, and it might not show because the schedule's tough. And I think you and I are in agreement with you could be a better team than you were the year before, but it might not be reflective of your results in the record with the schedule. I mean, 11 and five last year, they could go 10 and seven this year. And we could all say this is still a better team than last it's, year. It's so weird to try to figure out the records like they don't roll off the top like 10 and six. Just no, sound, it's 10 and seven. Okay, that sounds weird. 10 and six just feels like a good season and nine and seven feels like a eh, season mm-hmm. 10 and seven. What the hell? I don't know. I don't know what 10 and seven I don't know is. What, I don't know how to feel about that. Right. You lost seven times. Like, that's a lot of losses. Um, I, I think they can win 11 games again. Uh, the, the question is, are you a more complete team? That, that's the question for me, a more balanced team, because the offense was the greatest in franchise history, and you took two steps back, right? Like, I know you had a better regular season. You won two more games. You are your division champ. But in the postseason where push came to shove, you lost in the first round instead of playing in the AFC title game. That's two steps back, however you want to slice it. Mm-hmm. And so, to, but because of because of the imbalance of the team, because the defense was so bad. Now, again, I know you lost to Baltimore because of the offense, not the defense. I get it. But guess what? You've been putting so much pressure on your offense all season long to come up big, not just big all game, but big in two minutes, big in the fourth quarter. You were asking Tannehill to do a ton. And I, I just, like, taking the pressure off the offense just a bit and carrying a little more weight on the defense to be a more balanced team, to me, I think gives you a better chance to win in the postseason. So even if you are 10-7, and seven, to your point, you're a game worse, or I guess that's a game and a half worse, I guess. Mm-hmm. If you're a game and a half worse, maybe the Colts are 11-6 and six and they win the division. Are you better situated to win in the postseason? You, st- you still might be better situated to win in the postseason with your right. current roster because you're probably a more balanced team. 615-737-1045, the number 737-1045. You can get us on Twitter at Braden Gall, at Nick Kale. We just mentioned this in passing in the last hour to wrap up the second hour of the show. The whole thing with Peyton and Cooper doing this uh, trivia game show. Uh, John sends us a tweet. I think, Braden, you already hit him back. Uh, Cooper manages the family money and is an energy trader. While he might not be, while his net worth is significantly less, somewhere between 15 and 30 million, 
He's not hurting. I think that was kind of the point I was trying to make. Right. Like, if I if I want to hang much. out with somebody, I want to hang out with Cooper. Yeah. If I'm going to the Bourbon Trail and I want to go up and like <laughs> booze it up for a weekend, I want Cooper to come entertain me. Uh, is that a Bourbon right there in front of us? A couple of them. I got a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm not drinking any of them by the right. way. Right now. Right. It's Ron Slay's daily collection. We got we got four more hours before that happens. Uh, maybe maybe four and a half. Um, but if you're asking me who I want to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's any any question. Like I've got on my life experiences, I threw a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl to beat undefeated Tom Brady. What do you have, Koopa? I don't know. I just it's again, a tough one though to you know upstage. If you're asking me who I want to hang out with, it's Cooper. Who do I want to be? Whose life do I want? Mm-hmm. Neither. But I'll take Eli's. By the way, I'm just doing the math as you said. Three and a half. Four I really, just hours. want Lucas's life actually. Well, Lucas has a good life. Except for the angry face that he I just want to cut. Many cut, people know this. I want to cut 10 years off is what I want to do. Well, let's get into, uh, before we get to Coach Mack, um, so you're going to be cocktailing before 5 today? I kind of like that. It's a good work. That's, oh, it's good absolutely. Fun. It's Friday. Yeah? It's Friday, baby. A little brown water? No, no, that's too early. No? Maybe a, maybe a tall, cool, frosty one. I'll be home by 20 after 1. That's a little early. I, I, I will be into a cocktail by 1.30. It's Father's <laughs> Day weekend. It's the U.S. Open. My wife and girls are at a dance competition at Opryland right now. I will be cocktailing by 2 o'clock. I feel like I'm glimpsing into my future and during these three hours. Braden saying, just, just, I want to do nothing. Don't ask me anything Don't just for one me. day. Isn't this like a great endorsement for, like, just use a condom? <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's great. Uh, no, no, don't need any commercials or endorsements. This show right here. Yeah. Everybody's like, yeah. Why, Kids I are a joy, folks. I can't wait to get married and Kids have a daughter a and a son. And then you do, and you're like, man. Where did I go wrong? <laughs> I think kids are a joy. Kids are a joy. Kids are a joy. Your kids might but, spend a weekend with mine. Here's the problem, like, Lucas, you'll this is you haven't had this yet, probably, right? Where did you have you injured yourself just sleeping? <laughs> no. You like, never wake up with like a stiff neck or that, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, no, no. I mean like an in, I mean like an injury. Oh, okay. Like you get out of bed and like the NFL re- player reports like, ah, oh, questionable ankle. <laughs> Like if you've if you've ever injured your and then people and everyone listening is nodding because there, you reach an age where like you wake up with an ankle injury mm-hmm. sleeping and you injured yourself asleep and that is when you've crossed over from young to middle aged I believe can't wait for me it things was like, for you to look forward to. what's the like, breakthrough there like I'm twenty five like thirty one thirty two how many years of happiness do I have left uh you're how old twenty five. You got at least eight, eight years. Oh, okay. seven, eight well, years. Let's like, be real though. Like, if you just look in, you know, I know you, you got a girlfriend. Never... Yeah, four years. It's a birthday today, actually. Happy birthday, Lucas' nice. girlfriend. Yeah, Megan. You should never judge a book by its cover. But I, I've done enough with Lucas to know that he just looks miserable. So I don't know that you have years of <laughs> happiness left. I think those those years are already probably gone. Well, but how me. serious is this girlfriend? It's just a, a four years. So not that serious. Yeah, it's a casual thing. <laughs> she pushing you no. for a ring? <laughs> No, no, not yet. That, that's the, that's the issue here. No, don't get married until you're thirty. No, nobody should get yeah, married. Yeah, like marriage and kids probably won't cross my mind until thirty. Uh, if I have it my way, like thirty-five. I was gonna say, is she okay with all this? Yeah, I mean, she's she's wrapping up med school. She's got plenty on her plate. Thir- thirty oh, is yeah, the right. Med school. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm thirty doing, is the <laughs> you playing the long con. Thirty husband. Thirty is the right time to get married, and then you can have kids a little bit after that, and then it's it's about two years into that phase when the your insides start to die it's over and that's that's when it's over med school i wonder why you work in radio you you, you got the you got, you got the finances taken care of you better not, you better not lose this one lucas that's what I'm do told. It all hopefully over she's again. not listening to the show i hope I, not i married a social worker so i didn't marry her for her money <laughs> all right
You also started dating her when you were like 16. I did. I'm like a modern day Boy Meets World. I'm like, uh, he does what, he even get that? What's that, Ben? Yeah, this is probably before. Yeah, I, I, I barely get that. You remember, remember Ben Savage? God, Nick, and, we are um, old, man. What was the chick's name? Topanga? Topanga. Total I was more of a Clarissa. I'm going to be honest. I only know of Topanga because of what Clarissa her husband went that. through with the shrimp in his cereal. <laughs> no, I'm more of a Clar- Clarissa Explains It All guy versus Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah, I was, she's big. She like sold her fandom to become a Bama fan. She followed me on Twitter once. Yeah, she follows I think it was every- an accident. She follows everybody. All right. Just, just, just enjoy it while you got it, LP. I'm trying. LP. <laughs> uh, Cousin Andrew says on the comments, med school, put a ring on it now, Lucas. Yeah. Be a wise financial investment. Like the eight-year engagement plan, please. Happy birthday, Megan. <laughs> All right, coming up next, Coach Mac, Dave McGinnis, Titans Radio. He joins us here on the Buck Rising Show. Nick Kale, Braden Gall in for Buck, 104.5 The Zone. All right, welcome back in 1222 here on a Friday edition of the Buck Rising Show. Nick Kale, Braden Gall from 440 Sports. In for Buck today, 104.5 The Zone and Zone TV. A little return of the Mac, which means only one thing. Coach Mac, Dave McGinnis, Titans Radio, joins us here on the show today. Coach, always good to see you and talk to you. How you doing? Nick, great to see you and Braden on these Hollywood squares here on right. Zoom. It's, it's, it's good to be on with you guys. Good to see Lucas, too. Yes, sir. Eh. Well, that's that's debatable, but you know, it's you got to take the good with the bad in life, right, Coach? Yeah, Lucas is good. Don't be mean to Lucas. I will huh. shut your mic off. He probably will. We were giving him very good life advice a second ago, Coach. We said don't get married until you're 30. Yeah. And if you're going to get well, married, marry a doctor. The, the, the marry the doctor part is really a plus. <laughs> You're telling me. I've got a head start on that one. That's uh, a big plus. Coach, let, let me start with a couple of things from minicamp. And one of the things that I've seen circulating on Twitter was how good Janoris Jenkins has looked in limited and brief appearances. Take it with a grain of salt. It's it's June and it's a veteran. But um, what what are your expectations for Jack Rabbit this year in the secondary? Well, I know Jack Rabbit. I mean, we I drafted we drafted Jack Rabbit when I was at the Rams. You know, I've got a long history with Jack Rabbit. I mean, it, he wasn't doing anything different in those two practices than what he what he's done since he came in as a rookie. You know, we drafted he and true him he out of North Alabama and Tremaine Johnson out of Montana that first year that uh, we took over the Rams in St. Louis. You know, they were coming off of a five year stretch where they were fifteen and sixty five. They were terrible. There weren't many players there. I mean, you know, basically we had uh, James Laurinaitis and Chris Long uh, and Roger Saffold, you know, very few real players there. So we drafted those two rookies, you know, in the uh, second and third round, and they both started. And, and, and you know, Jack Rabbit's been a starter ever since his rookie year. Uh, and he was, you know, he was he's a pure man cover guy. He really likes football. I mean, he's one of my favorite players. He really is. And he's had, you know, he's this is his, I guess, fourth – contract he's been on but he's never been he's never left a team because of performance he's left a team because they couldn't afford him you know and that's that's what's happened I mean and what he did in practice those two days I was really happy to see him I talked to him you know for a little bit before he went on the field but what he did and the way he practices that's that's just the way he approaches it that's why he's been around for 10 years physically you know he's a man match corner that is fearless and he's also got a, a, a great uh bit of amnesia, which great corners have to have, because if you're going to be that match guy, you're going to get beat, you know, sometimes, but you're going to get big plays out of him. But he's a he's a really good practice player. He's good in meetings. He's a good teammate. Uh, that was a good pickup. 
And the reason that he's lasted at a high level for 10 years, because he's got physical skills, but he's got a great approach to being a professional too. You know, in the college game, we talk a lot about sort of implementing a system and getting everybody on the same page and developing young players. In the NFL, you, you know, you've got a whole new defensive front. You've got a whole new set of pass rushers. You've got a whole new set of corners. You've got a new, a new safety. Obviously, Hooker's been in the system a long time, so he kind of understands. But is there an element of, like, once the season gets started, you have to sort of get all the pieces on the same page? Or is in the NFL, that's something that should be happening way before any games start? Because you've got a lot of new pieces on the defense. That's what they're doing now, Braden. I mean, that's absolutely what they've done, you know, this entire offseason. They've still got some pieces that haven't been on the field. You know, Bud Dupree hasn't been on the field. He's been there. You know, Caleb Farley hasn't been on the field. He's been there. But absolutely, I mean, that's what this whole offseason was about. And that's why I think it was so critical, especially with all the changes that the Titans have made on defense this year, that they were able to have an offseason where they were able to have, you know, players in there. And it's, it's extremely important. And, and I also like the fact that they've got three preseason games because whether all of these guys play in preseason games or not is really not the thing. The issue is, is you've got all that practice time and that's going to be, that's going to be big. I mean, they still got some guys that are veterans on that team that have been on this football team. Uh, you know, Janoris is a veteran player. You're not going to throw many schemes at him that he doesn't know. I mean, he's just about – he's been through it. But the rookie players, they absolutely need time to assimilate into it. That's why I like what they've done, been able to do this offseason. And then, you know, training camp's going to be big for those young guys on defense. Coach Mack is with us. He is brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Turns to the folks who've been in the game since 1947. So, Coach Mack, obviously everybody's fired up about Julio Jones and what he brings to the table, the combination of he and A.J. Brown. But I'm curious from your vantage point, who do you think benefits the most from the addition of Julio Jones when we look at guys like Anthony Ferkser or Josh Reynolds? So that, you know, that perceivable third guy that Ryan Tannehill could be looking at. Yeah, Nick, I think, you know, the big benefit is to the offensive structure. I mean, I, 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 say, I say immediately, you know, I look at everything, especially when you make offensive additions, the way a defensive coordinator would look at it. I think the offensive line is going to uh, benefit tremendously from it. All of a sudden, you know, they saw eight and a half and nine-man boxes more than anybody in the league last year. Well, now, if you're a defensive coordinator and you're going into Monday and you're game planning against this group of, of skill players, and, and, and I'm counting the running back in the running game as a, as a part of that skilled element, now what are you going to do? I mean, if you if you if you want to stack the box and 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 link up those corners out there one on one with a with a, a middle high safety against those two wide receivers, good luck. Because here's what can happen now: you can still run the football against that eight man front, which they proved last year, week in and week out. But you also you know, those two receivers, AJ Brown and and Julio. If you if you're going to man match them one on one and not give them any help at all, a corner any help at all over the top. You know, sometimes off of this play action, guys, I promise you vertical routes you will see. And also, you know, also crossing routes. Anytime you've got a defensive back on the back in a trail position on those guys where their backs are to the ball, he will put it up because those two don't have to be open in a one-on-one situation to throw it to them and, and get it complete. I mean, they've both got length. They're combat catchers. They're really great at the catch point. And so it, it, it changes. it changes how defensive – coaches are going to deploy their people 
Now, if you want to start cheating and bringing a safety over the top one way, Ryan Tannehill is very adept at reading at the line of scrimmage, reading where the leans are, what's going to go on. If you want a lean guy one way and take a linebacker out of that run element and be able to cut him underneath another one and run a corner over the top to double both of those guys, then you're lightening your box. It's a lot easier. I mean, we, we saw a 2,000-yard rusher against about 60% eight-man fronts last year. So anytime you lighten that box against this run game and this running back, and the difference being is this, guys. I mean, I was a defensive coordinator for a lot of years in this league. And at times, if I had a, 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 you know, was facing a team that had that type of skill out there on the edge, I was sometimes willing to double-double out there and let the run game just come at me and kind of bend with it. But the difference was they didn't have somebody that could take it 99 on me when they broke that, that second level. They, this guy can take it the distance at any time. That's an issue. So it's going to be very interesting to see. So you ask me who benefits. I think the entire offensive structure benefits from it just because of the deployment that defensive coordinators are faced with. Yeah. Are you, are you going to, are you going to give up the big play or are you going to death by a thousand Derrick Henry cuts? I mean, that's, that's the decision you got to make if you're going to cover those guys on the outside. Well, do you think anything at all of the extra game, like as a coaching staff going into this season, do you talk about it? Do you plan for it? Is it just like business as usual for one extra week? Like what, I think fans have to adjust to it and the players maybe, but I, I just am curious from a coaching staff standpoint, you know, how much does the extra game matter? Yeah, Braden. I mean, you're, you're, you're aware of it. Mike Vrabel is, you know, is, is one of the best that I've been around. I've, and you know, I've done it for a lot of years and, and, and load management's especially important depending on the age of your player, where your players are physically. Uh, now you get empirical data. It used to be, you do it by field. Now you've got data, you know, with all those, with those GPS systems that are in their jerseys every day, you got, I mean, you've got, uh, you know, I've been involved in that a lot. You, those printouts tell you empirically what their load management is, how they're working. And so, yes, I mean, you, you absolutely, you, you've always got to keep an eye on because look, in the National Football League, one of the head coaches' main duties, other than just being the CEO of everything that goes on during the season, it's getting your players healthy to the games. And that's extremely important. And then getting your players as healthy as they can be towards the end of the season, where if you win your division, you get in the tournament, then you've got a healthy team going into the tournament. And so all of that stuff is considered. So absolutely. I mean, they uh, it's already been talked about. And the, the coaches and the organizations that are on top of it, which this one is, They'll absolutely have a plan for it. And, and you have to understand, you know, how, how, your, how your guys are going to fit into that. I think the National Football League guys, you guys may have information that I don't, is probably going to lean back towards that 16-man practice squad again this year because it was very favorably received. That will help a lot. But load management, you know, and stress management on your, on your football team and your players as the weeks go on in the National Football League is a big part of managing your team. Coach Mac, Dave McGinnis from Titans Radio is our guest. He's brought to you by Farm Bureau Health with plans that they will coach you through since 1947 and health coverage at a price you can afford. Coach, you look at all the guys that were brought in this past offseason defensively, a couple of guys offensively, a lot of new faces. Can you just kind of take us through the, the differences from a year ago as to what coaches were dealing with in the heart of the pandemic and some of the restrictions as opposed to where we are now where – in theory, it seems like it should be much easier to assimilate everybody that's new. Well, and especially as if everybody will get vaccinated, because once every, you know, there, there's, you know, there's very definitive lines now between, you know, how, you know, how vaccinated, you know, uh, 
players, people are going to be, you know, be able to move around and how, how non-vaccinated are. So, yes, I mean, it, 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 it's big that every, everything is, is trending back towards normalcy, which is a big, which is a big deal. The thing about last year, uh, uh, Nick and Braden, is that everybody had to go through the same thing. Everybody was really, you know, treading, you know, in, and, and really treading water in some unknown circumstances last year. This year, it's back more to normal. And as the vaccination rates go up per team, then clearly it will trend back towards normal more. And so, but you're, you're going to turn over in the National Football League because of the salary cap and free agency, about 32% of your team every year. I mean, 32% of your guys are going to be new. You know, either either by guys leaving, you know, or, or guys being asked to leave by by rookies coming in and taking jobs by signing free agents from other teams. That's just life. That's just a cyclical life in the National Football League nowadays. So there's uh, there's always been a plan. There is a plan always in place for in, in, indoctrinating new people into what you are doing. Last year was completely different than anything anybody had ever experienced. This year is trending more towards normal. Coach Mac, Dave McGinnis, Titans Radio. Always a pleasure to chat with you and good to see you as well. Thanks, Coach. Nick, it's my pleasure. Braden, great to see you, man. Good to see you, Coach. All right, see you guys. Is. Have a great weekend. You too. There he is, Coach Thanks. Mac, brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans as we get a little Titans uh, conversation. As my computer just randomly got loud there. Tried to close out the Zoom on Coach Mac and I hit the wrong button. It, it's all right. This is. This is like uh, I got a lot of monitors. Here. This is part of the getting older process that Lucas was warning us about. I feel um, like I feel like a flight pilot with like too many gadgets in front of him. Well, I'm interested. I don't know about you. I, there are two guys that I'm fascinated to see once like actual camp opens in like whatever it is, like five six weeks from now, whatever. I, I Darrington Evans and Christian Fulton are two guys that I really want to see. I, you know, a, a second weapon out of the backfield, one that can catch passes is healthy, a guy that we know has talent and, and sort of some explosive ability dynamics in the open field. And Christian Fulton, who was basically a first-round pick. Yeah. He was a first-round graded player who fell to them in the second round, and neither of those guys really contributed much last year. And they're basically like getting a second- and third-round picks in this year's draft class because they just weren't mm-hmm. able to ever get – you know, Fulton got on the COVID list, and they just sort of snowballed from there. I, you know, I think those guys are going to play a ton. And so I'm I'm just curious what last two years ago's draft class looks like at the end of this season because we all know about it you know Isaiah Wilson but like the rest of that class what does it look like contributing wise for this team and I think you're going to see a lot of contributions from those two guys I'm with you on Evans and to an extent I am Fulton and I you know I got to keep in mind look rookie pandemic yeah all this stuff that was going on it's hard to truly evaluate anything from last year. But there's a part of me, even from the day they drafted Fulton, who, again, I like as a player. I think he's going to be solid. But I, I think a lot of just casual Titans fans that maybe don't really watch a ton of college football just saw that, you know, all right, Christian Fulton, oh, he's on that LSU team. And you just assumed that this guy was going to be, and he's got plenty of time to prove you know any doubters wrong. But I think there's a little misguided belief as to what he is. Why do you say that? You need you need to back that up. Yeah, like I, the guy's... A, He's got tons of talent. He's got a ton of talent, but I, I just like he got abused by I think it was Justin Ross, maybe. No, who 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 for Clemson went right after him? It wasn't Justin Ross or Amari Ross. It was T. Higgins, I think. I think T. Higgins, Higgins went at him in the championship game, and they threw on him a lot, mm-hmm. and he you know he gave up some stuff. But again, like Jenkins, right? If you're going to line up and be a man to man corner and sort of take on that role, now he was going to be in the slot a little bit last year, right. and he got hurt. 
I think they have a slot guy in Elijah Molden, the, the, oh, so the rookie out of Washington. I think he's going to play in the slot. And so Fulton, to me, is your outside guy with Jenkins and mm-hmm. Farley. So, you know, what what can he bring to the table? I, I think he's got all the tools to be very good. You're going to have to coach him up. But I don't know. The guy, the guy graded well, out I'm as not, a first-round pick for a reason. Yeah, and I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player by any stretch. But, I mean, you know, when you gauge Twitter and you try to gauge the pulse of people on Twitter, maybe that's a, a poor uh, way to analyze the way people are thinking. But Wait, Twitter? Yeah. But just going back, going hmm. back to last year, like there were Titans fans that were thinking, like, this guy was like Patrick Peterson. I'm thinking this kid might be solid to good, but, you know, he went where he went for a yeah. reason. You know what I'm saying? Well, he, he was a first-round grade for a reason, but fell to the second for a reason, right? Right. Both of those things are true at the same time. It doesn't mean that he's not a helpful piece that oh, can't, no, no. That can't play a lot of snaps. Sure. Now, I think, I think your goal was to start Fairley and Jenkins. When you drafted Caleb, Caleb Fairley, Farley, when you drafted Caleb Farley and you signed Jenkins, I think the idea was those are going to be your two starters on the outside and then some combination of Fulton, Molden. At the, at the time, it would have been Kevin Johnson, mm-hmm. of course, thank God. <laughs> um, that's not a part of the equation anymore, but I, I do think you've got four guys for three spots and I think you've got four talented pieces. The problem is two of them are rookies and one of them hasn't played much. Yeah. So that's the question. And that's why I, I kind of wanted to know from, from Mac, like the assimilation process mm-hmm. for this defense, how, how is that? What is that like in the NFL? Because again, Mike Vrabel and John Robinson told us it wasn't the coaching staff. It wasn't the scheme. It's all the players fault. Like, and they didn't say it out loud, but what I mean is, is their their actions clearly are telling us that they don't believe any of the problems were in the scheme. Yep. That none of the problems were with the coaching staff. The problems were with the players, so we got rid of all of them. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know. You've got a bunch of guys that haven't played, so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see what happens. I think, right. I think Fulton's a solid piece, though. 615-737-1045. The number, if you want to jump in, 737-1045. Will Bowling, Lucas Panziga, they're coming up at the top of the hour. Nick Hale, Braden Gall, in for Buck Rising. Back after this with some Father's Day weekend advice here on 104.5 The Zone. 12.45 here on a Friday. It is the Buck Rising Show. Nick Hale, Braden Gall, winding things down here with you for another seven or eight minutes. Lucas Panzeca, Will Bowling, coming up at 1 o'clock. They are in for Blaine and Mickey. Lucas has chest pains, and we've been talking about how our significant others all make more money than us. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there. <laughs> Don't talk to me this weekend. Exactly. That's my only request. You know, Honey, what would you like for Father's Day? <laughs> Not to be asked a single stinking thing. <laughs> Honey, I'm shutting the brain off for the next 48 hours. It's true happiness. I'm going to place it on the night. I want to work on my short game. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, my Father's Day is already ruined because Phil Mickelson was a four over 75 yesterday because all I want in life Why is, is that to ruined? see. Because, well, well, he already got his win at 50. Who cares? He, he, got, he got a major a couple of weeks ago at the PGA, but... Phil Mickelson's birthday was Wednesday, and the U.S. Open has eluded him, where he's been runner-up six or seven times. And this affects your happiness. And I, I just affects wa- your life. I just wanted to get to the weekend with Phil having a shot at the U.S. Say, Open. How does your wife feel that your Father's Day is ruined because Phil Mickelson didn't win <laughs> on his birthday? Hey, this is what she shi- uh, This is what she signed up for. So that's true. She knew. She knew what she was getting herself into. She read the fine print. Yeah, she knew. She <laughs> read the terms and conditions she, exactly. Yeah. She checked the box, man. She checked the box. Um, I, I don't, this is what's weird. Like I, I have, I can't think of, I love watching golf. It's the same thing with racing. Like there's certain sports I love, but I don't, I, I have zero emotional investment in any golfers. I love watching the events. I love the drama. I love watching a guy walk up 18 at Augusta. Like I'll be all in on the U S open this weekend. I'm all, I'm, I love it. 
Same thing with like the Indy 500 or, or NASCAR or whatever. Like I'll watch it and, and I'm, I love it, but I cannot be emotionally invested. I, I, it's, a, it's sort of the same thing with the EPL, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I know like unless I've been someplace in London or in England to actually go to a stadium or have some tie to some you know, town in London, in England, I don't know how people are so emotionally invested in something that's like, you know, like an individual. How can you be that invested in Phil Mickelson's life? I mean, it's just a story. Just to, to see, the, the, to get the career grand slam, to get to that level of achievement. Because he's been on the doorstep. Because He's never won the U.S. Open? He's never won okay. it. He's won every other major. And he's been runner-up in the U.S. Open, which has eluded him. The fourth and final so, of the grand slam. So six times. Let me get this right. How many majors has he won? Uh, he's got uh, six now. Six. So he's one of the most successful golfers in the history of major championships. He's probably worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He's worth more than Cooper Manning. Hundreds of millions of dollars. That's for certain. So this man is worth hundreds of millions of dollars and is one of the most accomplished golfers in the history of the sport. Mm-hmm. And your Father's Day is ruined because he's not going to win a U.S. I am all, I am all for the storyline. When you put it that way, the drama and everything that go, like if some random slappy wins the U.S. Open, like I'll be watching it because I play fantasy golf. I'll bet on it. You know, Why I'll isn't be, that a better story though? Because it's not the story that intrigues me. Oh. See, this is a, it's about me. No, no, we we are, we understand. We don't understand you. So you just don't get the individual attachment to an individual athlete. Like if somebody comes out of nowhere, right? Like mm-hmm. a, a thousand to one long shot comes out and you know Cinderella story comes from behind and <laughs> wins the U.S. Open. Like, isn't that a better story for golf and for the? the general you know entertainment value of the product i mean i, I understand that when tiger Probably and not. Phil, when tiger i know ratings go up when tiger and phil are in the right. final group i get all of that I, I don't know like to me like ricky fowler who, who i don't even know he's, a great story. i don't even know he's playing but like ricky fowler sure. is a guy that would be a great story because he's like the like the best us golfer that hasn't won a major or whatever right I, I so just, like th- there's other stories that intrigue me but in in any in any sport i feel correct me if i'm wrong it feels like anytime we have no name guy or long shot team, and maybe this is even go. Maybe this even applies to March Madness, where like you know nobody we, wants to watch Loyola Chicago. Get out of here, Sister Jean. But early no on, it you. was the charming thing, right? And you know we want to see the upsets. We want to see the fifteen beat the two. But then we say, well, I don't need a fifteen in my final four. Like, don't no, go too no. far. Ratings are actually bad. Like, if you go back and look at George Mason, and you look at VCU, and you look at Loyola Chicago, and I think there's one more I'm missing that was like a twelve seed or whatever that got there the ratings for those games are not particularly high. Like they're not, they're, it's not some of the highest, the highest rated stuff is like Villanova, North Carolina the in overtime. Blocks. Like, yeah, yeah like the, the Kentucky and Duke, like those are the games that get the highest ratings in college basketball. So again, that's Phil Mickelson and tiger in this conversation. Mm-hmm. So I understand, I do get that part of it. I just have a tough time. Like I'll root for Joseph Newgarden in IndyCar because he's from Nashville. Okay. And like that, to me, that makes sense. There's like a, a rationale there that, that connects me to him and he's a, a local connection right like he's a local i'm rooting for nashville like brant snedeker same thing i'll root for brant you know and and that kind of stuff but I, I do have a tough time understanding why people get so emotionally invested in an individual that like they have no connection to whatsoever uh, I, you know this story already two years ago when tiger won the masters i think you cried i cried like a baby yeah yeah my wife my wife was facetiming me she's like Am I witnessing what I think but that, I am? I, that, like, but that's just a special moment in sports history, like across the board. Like, I totally agree. I don't understand formulating an attachment and being so emotionally invested. Individuals, teams, or whatever. Like, formulating an attachment to the Cowboys because they were always on TV all the time when you were growing up. Even that, I don't quite understand. That makes you a weasel. 
Makes you a front runner. Yes. What it makes you. If you it also makes you a Duke fan and another. But Dame if you fan. go to a school, like I don't think that's true. If you go, like if you're a Tennessee alum and you're excited about the baseball team being in Omaha this weekend or the basketball team in March or whatever, I, like having an emotional attachment, I think you need to recognize that you have an emotional, like that your day to day happiness is is tied to a bunch of strangers you've never met before. Yeah, I mean, but that's sports. Like that's, yeah, and it's like a community thing sports. that you were a part of. Like what you said with the Premier League. Like I'm right there with you. I'm the biggest soccer fanatic as the next guy. I watch the Premier League every weekend. I don't have a Premier League team because I can't just pick. That's one. crazy to me though. See, I would have like, thought you'd be a Tottenham Hotspur guy. Uh, see, I'm a Chelsea guy now. I, I love of, Ted Lasso because of Pulisic. Like I will watch. Uh, yeah, Chelsea and, and because I, Pulisic. And is I'm the, the greatest. same way. But like my attachments are like to Italy. Like my dad and AC Milan. I'm an AC Milan fan. See, that, I would go to. I went to a game once as a kid, and my family over there are Milan fans. That I, makes sense. Yeah, but I, that, so for me, I don't understand. I you were Russian formulating Tanzika. that attachment. Tanzika. If, I, if it was Tanzika, maybe Russian. I'd be Russian. <laughs> but I mean, again, I, I am I am amazed at people's ability to develop such a devout deep connection with something that they have no tangible connection to it's just one of my favorite golfers and that is epl soccer unless again like to your point you've got a tie to like to to you know la liga or whatever like somebody has a tie to something that that makes sense or your whole family is from liverpool or whatever like then i understand being a liverpool fan i don't understand like waking up as like a nine-year-old one day and and like i don't know you live in chicago or something and all of a sudden you're just like oh I love Man City. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't well, know why like, that happens. Play with them on FIFA once. I think when you try to uh, become a consumer of a new sport and a new league, one of the first things you got to do is find a rooting attachment, right? But well, it's, it's so hard to force that. I've never been exactly, able to force exactly. that. I can't That's either. why they created gambling. I, now, attachment. I will watch Chelsea. <laughs> Poisoning I have, minds. I have no vested interest in Chelsea winning or losing. Sure. I want to see Christian Pulisic. Yeah, dominate on the world stage as it is with any American. He's the greatest American player of our maybe ever in yeah. history. When I watch Barcelona, I want Sergino Dest at right back to have a great game. I don't care if Barcelona wins or loses. Right. So, I, mean, I guess in golf you get tied to the personalities. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like I, the the families, right? Like I don't, I don't, I don't know how how one does that <laughs> in, in mm-hmm. golf or racing. It's like or, in racing too, a Formula One, people are fanatics, fanatics. And this show came out on Netflix, and people found oh, like awesome. personality traits, and they get attached to a driver. But it's still mm-hmm. the same concept that that I've never been able to fully commit myself to. Right, a bunch of left hand turns. No, that, that is not how F one works, brother. Um, what they yeah, call right hand turns. You're, you're thinking, but, of the, but to uh, F one, left, right, up and down. Uh, F one, I understand being obsessed with the circus of it all. Oh, it's right? incredible. Like being obsessed with the event and being in Monaco or whatever. Like that, that's a party there. I understand that. That's like going to Omaha. Go to Omaha for the party. It's great. But but at least you have a team to root for. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Don't don't. Let Phil, long story short here, don't let Phil Mickelson ruin your Father's Day. Okay? I'm going to start drinking now. Won't Lessons even, for all of us. Won't even feel it by Sunday. All right, that's it for us. Lucas Panzica, Will Bowling, they are coming up next. Our thanks to Mitch Light and Coach Mac. Braden, it was a pleasure, and uh, I will see you uh, two Fridays from now. You're very handsome. I miss your face already. All right. We are out of here on that note. Buck Rising Show, 104.5 The Zone.